0: This program is brought to you by the partners of Arute Awakening International. Help others
1: find truth. Support Arute Awakening International today.
0: One of the first Christian traditions that believers begin to question is Christmas. Is it pagan or isn't it? Does celebrating Christmas constitute sin? Well, if not, what's the problem? So Luke and Katie Abafi join us tonight to recall their journey creating a documentary around the Christmas question. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. The Literally- Shabbat Shalom Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Luke and Katie Abafi are back tonight with one of the first questions believers have when they begin to have their eyes opened. What are we going to do about Christmas? Well, this is going to be fun. And a uh, Christmas conversation is usually followed up with an Easter conversation, but we're going to talk about Passover first on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you have it right there. We are entering into the 11th day on the 12th Month, which means we are only five weeks away from Passover. Wow! And that involves Angie Clark and David Robinson. Welcome to you, Shabbat. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Now, one of the first things, uh, <laughs> David, that we have in front of us is here's something that you had personally procured, <clears throat> and this is our love gift for this month. Yes. I thought when I saw this on the commercial and when I saw it on pictures that this was a plastic bowl. It's, it's hand painted, mm-hmm. but it's
2: metal. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it is, and it's you know it's it's uh, handcrafted, made in Israel, um, so it's a it's a beautiful piece, and it's a little different than anything I've looked for, you know. So I really like it.
0: Now, before the cameras came on, you tell me something about this company that makes. Well,
2: that that, yeah, that makes this right that, here. Okay, so well, the, tell us about that. Yeah, this mezuzah is made out of uh, olive wood, mm-hmm. and it has a scroll that's tucked in the back, so it'll be against your house. But the company is a not not for profit, and they actually employ people. That are making Aliyah to Israel.
1: Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, really? so
2: that's why I really fell in love with them. Great people. Uh, I feel like we're working together to uh, to help people, but also to come up with good products for our. <sighs> yeah, because God. that's quite
0: often the the issue, right? People make Aliyah. Mm-hmm. They get to Israel. They're yeah.
2: If they don't, they don't know someone, they don't have a job. It's 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 a big step of faith. So she's trying to help them. Uh, you know, make the the move a lot easier. That I is a that. brilliant love idea. It. Now,
0: something else that is close to your heart is the guy who's doing the teaching for this month. That's
2: right, my uh, longtime best friend Rodney Thompson, and uh, he's he's. You guys are going to really enjoy him.
0: Yeah, Angie, would you read off the back there, just uh, what this is all about?
1: And sure. In Matthew's account of the gospel, Yeshua says that we are the light of the world. But in some parts of the world, the darkness we are to expose is more intense than we can imagine. Yes, Mm.
0: and that's what Rodney deals with. Um,
1: This guy, when he came here, you know, we're always looking for spirit and truth, Mm-hmm. This guy brought the fire, right. along with the truth. I'm I'm so excited about yeah. his teachings.
2: It, it was really uh, we we went to the uh, probably the worst areas in Kansas City to do street ministry, and and we took a bunch of what I call greenhorns. You know, people in your congregation that have never done anything That's like that. That's Got to be a southern area. And and as we were driving areas. into <laughs> these bad areas, this really bad areas, right between the blood and the crips, there was a street. Oh really? Oh yeah. It was it was bad. first thing we saw when we got out was some guy laying in the parking lot. You I mean, but as we got closer and closer, all the fun at breakfast went away and everybody was like just (laughs) scared to death. But we saw the power of Yahovah move in a way that that just people were weeping Mm. that were able to minister to these people. And we gave them clothes. We ministered to them, prayed over. And it really changed their lives to see that we have the power over darkness. Amen. But Mm. we're afraid because we see things with our eyes, and our, we're not looking towards what is unseen; we're looking at what is seen, right. and so it can hinder our faith. But and
0: yeah. Rodney's he's a perfect that. guy to lead people into that because mm-hmm. he's been on that. side He's been of on life. that
2: side. Yeah,
0: he's seen. I mean, he was had his had his car.
2: He had a guy woke up. He was buying drugs, and he guy unloaded his three fifty seven right into his car. You know, at three feet away and, and missed him. You know, yeah. bullets were laying in the seat and everything, and. The real deal. The guy just looked at him, laughed, and walked away. And and so his, he's. He's uh, on fire. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, an he understatement. Did. He yeah. brought the fire. He brought yeah, the sure. because he. And, and sometimes we wonder
0: why Jehovah leads us through the, or allows us to go through these choices that we make. Mm-hmm. But it's because of that very reason. He knows you're going to make it out on the other right. side, and he's going to use you for that purpose. That hey, you've been on that side before. That's why I had you go through this. Mm-hmm. So now you can minister. The to The glory these of the journey. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. he's and Rodney's just like yeah. He's he is fearless, this dude. Yeah. And one of the greatest things he's doing is, uh, he talks about it in this love gift, is how he's uh, doing FaceTime calls Mm -hmm. to India and Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Where uh there are some young women there who are caught in sex slavery mm-hmm. because they're of a lower caste system right. in yeah. India. They're they're the untouchables, I guess, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so these girls are sold off and, and for you know, not very much money to a to I'm a, not that you should be selling a person anyway, but to two sultans and people yeah. like this. Where he's trying to raise money now to release these girls. And in and in terms of American money, I hate that much. No, it's not not at all. You know, and so we can really help him do this. He's literally doing these these FaceTime calls, ministering to these girls. Mm -hmm. He has a translator on the other end, and he's using this relationship he has to get in good with the Sultan Mm -hmm. and say, hey, can we buy the freedom from these girls that you have in your harem, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: he's building that infrastructure now with people in Pakistan and India, and, and that, for those people, is very dangerous. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, people die if they uh, confess Jesus or Yeshua. And -hmm. and it's a a really good ministry and um, there's a lot of people getting behind it.
0: Mm. Yep, now speaking of getting people behind something, so we're five weeks away from Passover. I know, it's hard to believe it. uh, We're still preparing the office here, so if you're coming to Passover, you know, forgive us. We might be doing things (laughs) up to the very last minute. But but we've had a couple of uh, staff events here where we've gone and cleaned up the place and we've uh, made some things ready and so we're really happy to have you here. Um, And so all three of us have been involved in that and uh, we're just really happy to bring folks in, and if you're only able to watch it online, that's great. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna see Michael here. That's which right. is the greatest He's thing. back. Yeah. He'll be back. He's, you know, and, and Michael hasn't, you know, S- I, uh, S- four
1: year, three, three years, three years? It's been three years since, since we've had Passover. an in-house event. And you know what's
0: funny? I was talking to somebody the other day about um, Passover, and they knew about we were having a Passover mm-hmm. event and this kind of thing, and I was doing a health consult with this person, and they said, you know, I've heard this is Michael Rood's ministry, but and, and I support the ministry, but I haven't even seen Michael. This is a person they've come in to see what's happening here on Shabbat Night Live and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. They know it's Michael Rood's ministry, and they're supporting what's going on here, even though they haven't even seen Michael yet. Right? amazing. is amazing. Listen, it's great. We,
1: we have the best
2: support group
1: of our donors that I've ever seen in my life. Our ambassadors, they're our core group. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's who I get to uh, yeah. Be one-on-one with yep. daily, and uh, thank you guys. We love you so yeah. much, and Kent. You you guys to are the see best. you yeah. here for Passover.
0: And you're gonna see Michael. Yes. Michael's gonna be on the stage. He's so excited to be coming to this. Uh, and his progress has been amazing. I think yes. all three of us would agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Every time he comes in here, we see him once every week or every two weeks, and mm-hmm. every time he comes in, we're just wide-eyed, yeah. wide mm-hmm. shaking our head going, how can you be this well after <laughs> right. what we saw three years ago? This right. is almost impossible. Right. So it's amazing, you're gonna love it. And uh, yeah, so Michael's coming, Mark, mark it on your calendar, Make sure you get your ticket, there it is right there, and we will see you at Passover. And we'll see you guys at Passover too. Yes, we'll be there. Okay. (laughs) Now a big question indeed. Does celebrating Christmas constitute sin? Well, if not, what's the problem? Luke and Katie Abafi join us tonight to recall their journey creating a documentary around that question, the Christmas question. So Bread and Wine with Michael is next, but you might wanna get some popcorn too because this is gonna be fun. See you in a minute. In Matthew's account of the Gospel, Yeshua says that we are the light of the world. But in some parts of the world, the darkness we are to expose is more intense than we can imagine.
2: Making the Gospel relative, I don't believe, is conducive to making disciples. We're not supposed to be relative. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be the answer to a lost
0: and dying world. Sharing experiences about his work to bring the Torah to Native American people here at home and to enslaved young women in the darkest reaches of India and Pakistan, Rodney Thompson brings a wake-up call to apathetic believers in dealing with darkness. Dealing with darkness is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in March, we'll send you Dealing with Darkness on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you Dealing with Darkness, plus an olive wood mezuzah from Israel, featuring the Shema in Hebrew and English, inscribed both on the wood and written on a scroll inside. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts. Dealing with Darkness, the olive wood Shema mezuzah, plus a 10-inch decorative butterfly bowl, featuring vibrant hand-painted artwork by artists in Israel. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rude Awakening International in March. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. Folks around these parts tell me you're pretty quick with that shofar. I am. And that's a, a mighty purty holster you got there. You sure you can uh, <clears throat> make me one?
1: I am. <laughs> dude, why do you keep saying I am? It's the name of God, dude. Yeah, ho You know, I am. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> There's only one
0: problem with that, partner. You see, this Sabbath gathering ain't big enough for two shofar.
3: Are you saying we should draw?
2: I am.
3: Man.
1: The night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took our tone, our tone, leavened bread, and he blessed the Most High, and he broke the bread and said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. He took the cup, and he blessed the Most High, and said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. The following day, the following day, on the 14th of the month of the Aviv, there were two large loaves on the wall of the temple. And when they took the first loaf down, after that no more bread, no more leavened bread was eaten. Then when they took the second loaf down, that's when all of the leavened bread in the city of Jerusalem and everywhere else was completely expunged, it was burnt in the fire. That was the rehearsal that was done the following day, just before the Passover lambs were sacrificed in preparation for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But Yeshua represents in this very thing in the breaking of the bread that we do, in the kiddush, in the sanctification, every Shabbat, we remember that his body was broken for us. By his stripes, we were healed. And in the taking of this cup, as we say this prayer in thanksgiving to Almighty God, Baruch atah, Yehovah, Eloheinu, Malach Yeshua said this, is the renewed covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Every meal, any time, any Sabbath, any feast, any time that you need to remember his broken body and shed blood, we do this in remembrance of him.
0: Well, there you are. When last we spoke, we were talking to some guests about a documentary called The Way. Luke and Katie Abafé joined us last week to tell us all about how that came about, the changes that happened in their lives and how it all fit together. And today we're gonna talk about their next project which dove even deeper. So uh, Luke and Katie, welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. Thank nice. you. Thanks for having it's us.
4: great
0: and, to be here. You know, And who else is here is, uh, we can't see them right here but they're in the studio with us and uh, Michael Rood and uh, his wife Anna Lil are with us and Anna Lil is from Costa Rica and we were talking briefly before the cameras came on about oh we're gonna talk about Costa Rica and the tie in with uh, your next project that happened after the way and she piped up and said what did you say about my country? <laughs> so <laughs> Anna Lil is from Costa Rica and uh, you guys had gone there for part of the filming of the way. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So why did why did you go there in the first place?
3: The One Nineteen Ministries team was in Costa Rica, and that's where they had made their headquarters. And so we went down there to interview John and Steve at the time. Okay.
0: And then, what a what a burden. First of all, going down to Costa Rica. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that had to be a really hard decision, right? It's beautiful.
4: Right? <laughs> it people, like people were so kind. It was just like you're in a postcard.
0: Oh I loved
3: wow. It. Yeah, Costa Rica is very nice. Very nice. And uh, but we. It was all business. It was like we gotta, yeah. you know, make sure we have good shots. We have to. And anyway, so that's where we met those guys. And after the way came out, and 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 a few years passed, and we, she was just about to have Max.
1: This is like 2018 or something like
3: that. Um, we talked. I think John Sherman from 119 reached out and said that they were thinking about kind of. Doing a documentary version of one of the teachings that they had done, which is okay. similar to Michael Rood's Truth or Tradition.
0: Oh, Truth and Tradition! Yes, yeah. classic. A lot of people find this ministry
3: through that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so they said, "Well, we would like to do it th- through it, like in a give it the documentary frame." And so we thought about that and discussed it, and eventually we we decided to do that.
0: (laughs) Wow, okay, so this was basically, now if anybody doesn't know what truth and tradition is, that's where Michael dresses up as Santa Claus and says this is all bunk, essentially, (laughs) and just explains why. And there's a lot of research there, uh, a lot of where where did the Christmas tree come from, where did this come from, where did that come from? So this is then, I guess, for you guys, the way and then you kind of dive deeper on one of the first things people run into is mm-hmm. either Sabbath or Christmas typically, right? I mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's true.
3: That was the first thing for my mom and I didn't realize it until uh, like we were already pr- doing this film where she, where she said, "Chris, I'm not gonna celebrate Christmas anymore. And mm. so yeah, it ended up tying into my personal life.
0: It's interesting how everybody, did you talk to several people about how they came out of Christmas during this thing, or or was that not the premise of how this one worked?
3: So with the way we were talking with a lot more people who had made changes to their life, but with the Christmas question, we were almost completely, mostly, talking to experts, Mm -hmm. researchers, historians. Ah, And so to to give kind of meat and back up uh, all of the assertions that we make about the, a lot of these trappings being pagan,
0: right? Or having at least pagan uh, roots so like, it, of like some right. sort. So basically, we look at the tree. Does it really come from where we thought it come from? Like all these, is, is it just rumors or is it true? Is there is there some tie in that type of those type of questions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We talk about that. Mm.
4: And you're hearing from people who think that it's totally fine and can be part of a Christian faith. Mm. And you're hearing from people who think it's totally not okay. And putting those perspectives and conversation with a lot of, there's a timeline throughout it, like a literal timeline on the screen where you see where different things were introduced and like, oh, this came way before, you know, any mm-hmm. Christians were even thinking about this date, for example.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, so this, this is more of a history lesson then. This is more of the Tim Mahoney style, let's go back and see if the timeline matches up. And
4: <laughs> yeah, dance.
0: yeah.
4: Yeah, he did a great job. <laughs> yeah, he did. I loved
0: his timeline in, in that. On
4: that exodus, wall where he slid it all, yeah.
0: Yep, yep, the, yeah, the sliding timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably that one great. of the, the best visual I think everybody remembers from that one. Yeah. Wow, so, so I remember how we actually stopped doing Christmas in our house. Mm-hmm. We were gradual about it because we already had kids in the house. They already experienced, well, my, my daughter was around, not my son yet, but she had experienced a couple of Christmases, so we're like, okay, how do we gently wade out of this? So one year, uh, I took her to, uh, to uh, we went and found some wood, we went specifically looking for old pallets that people were getting rid of mm-hmm. and i told her we're going to make a manger for baby jesus instead of a christmas tree so together we made this little manger and we took one of her dolls and we put it in the manger and and then you know the the, the presents still went under the manger <laughs> <laughs> but it was like one step away from the tree yeah. so we didn't we didn't have the tree we had the manger and then the next year we didn't have anything at all yeah. and then we kind of you know moved around doing that but so Let's dive into some of this then. So, you know, the you dove into this, you found some some things that, that were pagan or weren't pagan. What are some of the things that were like, okay, we assume as Torah observant believers that this is absolutely pagan. This one is pagan. Uh, can you think of one thing that you researched and found like, yep, okay, that one we can absolutely be sure that this is truly a quote unquote pagan without just giving it that name.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure, mistletoe
3: is yeah, a big one. That's
4: what came to mm-hmm. mind. It's like, movie.
0: yeah,
3: uh, <laughs> and we interviewed another witch for this. It's like we're always <laughs> interviewing witches. <laughs> They're popular um,
0: guests on your podcast. It's something
4: about hearing it from a person though who identifies that way,
2: yeah. Versus
4: just your, you know, Christian friend being like, "There's no good." You know, this is sometimes it's hard to hear things from your own family or people that you know, and yeah. so it's nice to have a, an external source who like doesn't have a horse in the race or.
0: Yeah, We're because a different d- horse and race. And yeah. What, well, yeah, <laughs> it's part of their faith, right. so they're going to be really serious about that. We find that out with uh, when I'm tr- telling people about uh, dietary things, mm. and you know, if they want to find out if, for example, uh, a plant-based diet is good for you, mm. they'll use uh, not not just a group that claims to be vegan or whatever, but they'll claim they'll find somebody who has a religious reason for doing it. So, like the this, the Seven Day Adventists. Uh, in Loma Linda, mm. California. Mm-hmm. Are, that's a famous group that is quite often used for research studies because mm-hmm. they don't make it just part of you know, health or whatever. That, that, that's part of their faith. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would make sense then for someone to go to someone who, yes, mistletoe is part of my faith. It's not just, oh, maybe something I kinda do on the fringes, I'm not sure why as a Christian, but I do. Uh, that makes sense. So you go to a witch. who's like, "Yeah, this is, this means something." Yeah. yeah so what does it mean to, something to the to what does it mean to the witch? Well, the
3: Wiccan will want will want to defend the origins or the, the supposed origins of their traditions. And mistletoe. Oh my gosh! It's actually a little, probably a little too graphic and weird to describe the a mistletoe tradition. But it involves, it involves. Um, it involves climbing up to in oak trees and cutting down the mistletoe, like berries, which are these white berries, and then bringing it down for their celebration. And I won't go into all the details of all that stuff, but that was weird. But there are adult connotations to all this, I'm assuming? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, anyway, mistletoe's definitely one of the traditions or trappings of Christmas that has pagan origins. Mm. And then the date is debated like, Hotly debated. It's like, oh, early Christians were trying to date the birth of Yeshua, they say Christ, and they say they definitely were landing on December 25th before that. But we look deeply into those calculations, which has, looking at them has become called the calculation theory. And so we, we talked to this guy in Oxford and he talks deeply about the calculation theory because his whole area of expertise is dating things, biblical things. And um, so, the, looking deeply into the calculation theory, you see that early Christians weren't dating the birth of Yeshua to December 25th. They were dating the uh, conception of Yeshua to the spring. Mm. Which which could Makes eventually sense. be, yeah. no, the birth, I'm sorry, the birth of Yeshua to the spring.
0: Yeah, I'll And so that spring.
3: birth date then, is kind of like changed to conception by people who read that, they mm. read this old historical document, and look, this guy was landing on like March 25th for the birth, because they say it aligned oh, with oh, the okay. creation of the world okay. years before. Oh, I got you, okay. I'm probably butchering all this, but <laughs> but they said, well, he could basically, he could have meant, that word could mean conception, or maybe he meant conception, because that would align with December
0: 25th. Mm-hmm. Anyway, gotcha. So just it, like in Hebrew, for example, the the word virgin is has more than it means young woman or truly a virgin or whatever. It's all that it kind of has ah. all roundabout meanings. I could see how they would construe that. huh, interesting. So well, you know what's funny is if if you look at uh, when the when the magi arrived to visit the young child, which we all know now, Yeshua was you know fourteen months old at that time, right? so mm-hmm. but uh, if you look in the chronological gospels, That's pretty much right around this time, so at least I got one part right. (laughs) That's what I always joke. So they they had arrived around Hanukkah,
4: Hmm.
0: Hmm. and that's when they had visited Yeshua, and that's when Yeshua's parents received the the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and it funded their escape to Egypt and all that type of thing. That was right around this time of year, so I've often wondered if maybe that's where it got all messed up, but did you ever find anything like that in your research? I didn't look deeply into that, but that, that's
3: mm. compelling. That's interesting. interesting. It was, it's such a big subject to tackle. Yeah. That was why originally I thought, I don't know if we should do this. There's too much here. Oh. Christmas, one, it's the biggest sacred cow Yeah. for believers. And two, it was just so big. Mm. And I thought, I don't know if we can like package all this into an hour and a half or whatever it ends up being. Because, you know, 80 minutes is like what you're shooting for. But yeah. are you going to get more or less? Whatever. So uh, it was a little scary going into it.
4: I mean, with the date, there was a, a bit in the Christmas question about you know, when is the first time that Christians kind of claim this day as a birth of Christ celebration? And then is anything interesting going on on that day prior to that? And like the answer is yes, very much so. Mm. Like venerable day of the sun and, and those kinds of like celebrations and even ancient cultures like, you know, One of the um, gentlemen we interviewed talked about Stonehenge and like Mayan sort of ruins and how things are aligning on certain dates and how that. Specifically the winter solstice. The winter solstice and how that was an important day for many um, ancient religions in their worship of the sun and that Mm -hmm. kind of
3: thing. Here's one interesting thing from, she made me think of it from the documentary. An argument Christians will use to say, well, December 25th is not the the winter solstice, thus, You're off by a few days, because it's 21st or 22nd. Sure. But we're on the Gregorian calendar, and they, at the time, when all of Stonehenge was built, etc., and and other things, not at the time Stonehenge was built, but later, when the winter solstice was being observed in Rome, they were on the Julian calendar, which ah. has December 25th as the winter solstice. And so finding that out in the research, I thought, oh whoa! So the winter solstice just shifted because we shifted from Julian to Gregorian, and that's a big deal because it's no longer like an argument
0: that can be made on right. that side of the table. Calendar right. you know, Calendars become a big thing. I mean, Michael Rood would be the first to tell you that. You yes. know, like you get yeah. to the. The Hebrew calendar, and even today, you know, I go to a, a Sabbath gathering where you know they they observe the the, the Rabbinic calendar. Okay, fine, and you know we do we do Michael's calculated calendar, or not calculated? Pardon me, the the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar, which is you know the sighting of the first liver of the moon, and so we're always off by a few days away. Whatever, we just. <laughs> you know, well, we just celebrate, I'll celebrate twice. Once with them and then once with our family. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, that becomes a big point of division, doesn't it? And that's a lot of, the source of a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of uh, traditions that have gone wrong or astray because of we're not recognizing the same day. I mean, is that right? Oh yes. man, yeah.
4: <laughs> I never thought about the calendar that much until all this, I mean, even just, in a really basic way of reading the Bible, and when they say the you know fourteenth day of the first month, they're not talking about January fourteenth, you know, which is obvious now that there is a our Creator has a calendar, yeah, um, and and his feasts and these special days are all lining up to points with that, and there's a whole rhythm to the year mm. that's really nice, and there's a lot to like figure out because there's been a big gap in a lot of believers celebrating these things,
0: right? Well, and it's funny, I mean, I'm sure you guys know this, doing documentaries on the whole thing. It's just, you know, you've got Christians on one side who don't agree, and then Jews on the other side who don't agree, (laughs) and then you're caught in the middle and nobody agrees with us. Are we right or what? You know, it's it's sort of that question that crosses your mind. So tell me about that. There's something that we wanted to cover here with regard to all of this and and the the Christmas question, if you will, is the two Babylons. Oh, yeah. Tell me about the two Babylons. Oh, man. Who? Whoa.
3: All right, so I'd started research for this documentary, which the research phase of this took so long, more than f- filming probably. But I'm drawing on things like Michael Rood's thing and other sources as well to see, all right, where are we? What's our understanding right now? And 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 can we back all this up historically? What, and what are those sources? And so tracking all those sources down was the large part of the, re- I mean, that was mm-hmm. the research phase. And so I had already seen The Two Babylons, this book and by Alexander Hislop. And the heavily debated book over the years because a lot of people have panned it as just kind of um, anti-Catholic polemic or whatever you would say. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people have said no, but the sources he, he draws from were true sources and et cetera, et cetera. So I started researching the sources in the two Babylons and I thought in this documentary, how far back can we go? Can we go back to Babylon? Can we go back to Nimrod? Can we prove it all? And if we could, are all these first sources existent? And so that was the challenge of this documentary, was, was seeing how far back in time we could go to draw, for example, the date of December 25th mm. being linked to pagan roots. And uh, so we went back before mentions of Christmas, but we didn't go all the way back to Babylon for various reasons. I couldn't. I couldn't get all of the sources that I wanted, at least on
0: camera. Mm. So, yeah. Some are just gone or inaccessible or Yes, were
3: or, or, or there's, in, or, or they're not blatant. Ah. You could insinuate that yes, this worship aligns at least visually or in some aspects with what we're currently doing for Christmas, mm-hmm. but there's no source that says, this is this. This is what we do. For example, the mistletoe is definitely linked to the, the pagan thing, and, and we're doing it for that reason. And that's what people want when mm.
0: they're like, we, we have to have this, or else it just doesn't count. But the witch could t- sure tell us about that one. Sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's her part of her religion. It's right. part of her faith, right? So mm. she'd be serious about it. Yeah. So, do you find that a lot about what, when you did this documentary that a lot of what you found was gray area? Like, it just where did this come from? It just kind of morphed over the years, and how did it morph? I mean, we don't even know how it Came to be.
4: Well, it's interesting because even in America's history, one of the first things I learned when making this movie is that Christmas used to be illegal in America. I was like, how did I never hear that? You know, and reading things that um, the the Puritans were doing and and how they took so much. You know. Torah, seriously, even like the law about stoning a rebellious son, like stuff like that was on the books for them. Mm, Yeah, really. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So So these are
0: folks like the Quakers, or who who was this? They. I'm
4: saying Puritans, but I'm. I'm Puritans. Puritans were the
0: ones that that outlawed Christmas. Okay.
4: Yes, and and they were like, this is going to be a day that we work. It's not going to be. We're not going to have any part in that. Mm. And so it's interesting because in our kind of recent history, people were thinking about these things and keeping it separate. Um, but then there was a big commercialization, I guess, of, of Christmas and it all sort of like rushed in, it seemed like, at a mm. certain point.
3: Interestingly, the Puritans, I believe, or at least a segment of the, the Puritans, observe their Sabbath from Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown. They, they think that it's Sunday, but they observe it sundown to sundown, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting mm. as well. And they don't work. And they don't... You know, a lot of the stuff came over, but it was
0: mixed in with some of these mm. traditions. You know, what's interesting about that, you say that. I didn't know that. Uh, my mother, uh, who's 84, when she grew up in Canada, in the plains of, of Manitoba, she lived in this little uh, German town called Halbstadt, is the name of it. That's where she grew up. And they would do that very thing, they were very staunch. Uh, Mennonites, which is not, you know, like like you'd see with the, the horse and buggy, like the, like the Amish. This is sort of like in Canada, uh, Mennonite was kind of Baptist on steroids, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I put it that way. But he was a Mennonite minister, and the, the very uh, strict Mennonites, the Mennonite brethren, what they is what they were called, they would do that. I remember her telling me stories of she was not allowed to go ice skating on Sunday. Hmm. They did not work. They they treated Sunday. As a very strict Sabbath, Hmm. but it was Sunday,
4: right?
0: Hmm. Yeah, and
4: that's interesting. Yeah, there's
3: laws on about Sunday too punishments for working on Sunday too mm-hmm. in early early United States. history. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, it carried over but it was mixed with the tradition as yeah. you guys have pointed
0: out. Well we're gonna talk more about this in just a second but we're gonna take a quick break. I uh, wanna thank you guys for being here. You drove all the way from Ohio to be here so <laughs> thank you very much and uh, it's to you guys. Thank you for bringing these guys here. Uh, we thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live. That's the only way we can have these type of conversations. Conversations that you can in turn share with other folks. That's how we do this, we pay it forward. So. You donate to A Root Awakening International. Thank you very much. That allows other folks in the future to see this, see those things that you are already aware of and that you can help to forward this information to others because we all know we need to get this information out as many ways as we can with uh, censorship coming down on every angle. We need to get this out in as many creative ways as we can and your donations help to do that. We'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. We were just talking about Christmas and how it all lines up. Luke and Katie Baffi, thank you for joining us uh, once again. And uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, when, when the cameras went off for the break there, um, how calendars, seemed, you know, even in messianic circles, you know, the calendar is always a debate. You're, it's never gonna end, you know, whatever. We just have to sort of just deal with that. But when you researched Christmas, you found that the opposite, instead of having these two factions that don't agree, the, uh, what did you call it, the, the, the calendar, or the pagan wheel? and the So how, how does that work where it actually it did the opposite? It actually comes together and creates what you call a smoking gun. <laughs> Okay. Well, I was so we looked at the Christmas tree, we
3: looked at mistletoe, we looked at all of these traditions and trappings to Christmas, and we looked at the date specifically. And I thought, how 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 we, we did our best to show that how the date is linked or not linked to the Winter Solstice celebrations. And then what for me was the biggest revelation during researching the 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 documentary. Was the fact that the Catholic liturgical calendar and the pagan wheel of the year like line up perfectly? They synchronize. As
4: Galita that's scary in going- itself. First it's of like all, it's like the same. <laughs> we sh- it's visually shown with like a circle and then a circle on the outside, and then they're turning, 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 and it like clicks into place. And every single you know Catholic holiday has a corresponding pagan high you know, they call their days like a
0: high Wow, so it's that closely related? Every they call single them Sabats, one, all around actually, the year. Weirdly. So
4: not so it's not just Christmas, it's like all of them. That
0: sounds like the Da Vinci Code. Like, <laughs> to me, to me
4: that oh, when, I, when
3: I realized that, and there are a lot of holidays we don't even talk about anymore. Well, we do talk about Easter, and we do talk about Christmas, and how they line up with Yule and this so it's, what? it's near the spring solstice so what others like educate me here what else do we not there's all think the feast day. of john yeah all saints day lines up with halloween no i mean all saints day lines up with samhain weirdly why october 31st and and then um the summer solstice is also the feast of i think saint john the baptist on the summer solstice which is another big um Celebration in pe- certain pagan sects, and it's it's all of those. It's the spring solstice, the winter solstice, the the spring equinox, the winter equinox, the summer solstice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah,
0: like, so- Michael Michael Rude jokes that's how they get there. Those four. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, and, and there's also footage of like a modern modern sort of pagan celebration of the one on one side, and then kind of how it looks in Catholicism on the other side, and there are some like similarities sometimes. They're still similar. doing the same they're, thing. They're burning a big post. There's like a big fire and then the other Even one has so, a ton of candles. So like, how they celebrate the same. They look similar, yeah. Oh, really? Still, yeah. No,
3: to this day, which is so crazy. And so we in America are just stuck on Christmas and we're stuck on Easter and the trappings of the Easter bunny and the eggs and all how this is linked to certain pagan, you know, fertility rites. and all that, yeah. But then we could, if we wanted to, just jump to the next season, to summer and look at how they're burning effigies of of St. John, I believe, and in the summer solstice, they're burning a a bunch of effigies as well. Uh, It's this huge feast. It's like as if these traditions preexisted the universal church's entrance into that society, and they co-opted them, and and Christianized them, if you will, Mm -hmm. just as Pope Gregory. So does
0: that all back up to Constantine back in the, I mean, that far back? Or is it just kind of all over the place?
3: Constantine, Sunday, and Easter, definitely, because he wanted to, he was sick of the Jewish calculations of dates of Passover, and he said, We have to get out of this. We can't be calculating. We're not going to be arguing amongst ourselves like these Jews. And he is like, All of this is big, like polemic against the Jews and wanting to distance themselves from Jewish observation, mm-hmm. which also happened to be biblical observation of, of, of Abib and the first of Abib and all, all, all the things that we're trying to do now. But um, yes, yeah, so they they had the Council of I think Nicaea. You guys will know all this, um, <laughs> where where Easter happened, and then Sunday was actually like March 7, twenty one A.D. I think when mm. he, Constantine puts out his Sunday Edict, and he says, you you believers, Christians must now observe the venerable day of the sun as their day, mm. and not the Sabbath as the Jews would do. And then later there's a, a penalty. You get kicked out of the church if you keep observing the Sabbath. So it's like, that it's That happens today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you get kicked out of the church, if you obey.
4: I guess not much has changed.
3: <laughs> that has happened, sadly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, continue. Some, yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: Well, um, I, I, so, but not everything, not all of these dates, I think, can be traced back to Constantine, because, which is good evidence that it was a progression of adoption mm-hmm. as, as Catholicism or corporate Christianity or whatever you wanna call it was, moved its way through the world and became this enormous power that ended up being responsible for all sorts of evils. Um, it adopted the pagan customs that it ran into to an extent, at least the trappings, the buildings. And that was another thing we show in the Christmas question, how hmm. a lot of the current modern day um, big, beautiful churches, were, pre- especially in Rome, were previously sites. They were temples, literally temples, like the pantheon. The pantheon used to have, pantheon, a bunch of gods, and now it has a bunch of saints in all of the
0: little... um, So basically they say, well, that's going to be John the Baptist. That's going to be... Yeah,
4: which we know is expressly Hmm. forbidden in the Bible. You know, it's always like when you come across these relics of Idolatry, just destroy it Mm -hmm. completely. Don't turn it into something else, which is a big part of the Christmas conversation.
0: And praying to Mary and things like this, and that's where we get all this stuff from. Yeah, interesting. Yes, the one, I thought, you only
3: need, you need that wheel of the year, and you need the one verse, Deuteronomy 12, 4, which is, don't worship me the way that the pagans worship their gods. And so if you can show that at least some of these trappings are the way pagans used to worship their gods, then why would we do it? Especially when he has given us such a rich, like uh, group of holidays to celebrate, which is so much more fun, and tell the story of the Bible. Right.
0: So all in the name of. <laughs> saving a statue and renaming it. Well, that's a beautiful statue. We don't want to get rid of it. So, but there again, right? Yeah. Tear down their poles, tear down this, tear down that. We're told to go in, yeah. not adopt them and change them into something else. Like I always always tell people, you know, if they're having these trunk or treat things for Halloween and things like this and church parking lots. You can't, redeem something that was not Yehovah's in the first place. Yes, That's what redeeming is. You, you can't you know, redeem something that was never his <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy, right? So yeah, it's, it's expressly forbidden to do exactly what they have been doing. Yeah. Claim that temple and call it a cathedral.
4: And it's, it's, oh, you know, go ahead. I was just gonna say, interestingly, it seems like at the time they were co-opting these days so that people who were converting from other religions or people who were wary of Christianity would feel more comfortable entering in. It's like we already celebrate on this day, let's mark it with a different, let's stamp it with something else that's more Christian. And it's funny because nowadays people will say, well, you know, my unbelieving friends and family, like, they'll only come to, Christ- to church on Christmas or Easter. I'm like, that's the same thing. Right. Maybe it's like people feel so comfortable about it because nothing in these imagery is biblical. I mean, of course, the story of Yeshua's birth and all of that is is obviously scripture, but a lot of it is not native to the Bible. Yeah. And it's still being used to keep people or get people to feel comfortable who wouldn't enter into biblical things otherwise.
0: Right, and that's my argument too. Is that if someone's only going to come to church on Christmas or Easter. They're not gonna come anyway, so don't bother. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, it may sound a little cold and crass, but it's like, if, if they're only gonna come to appease you, so you'll leave them alone for another six months, <laughs> then just don't, just ask them to come on the week after. What's wrong with that? Sure. You know? Yeah. So,
3: Yes. you're about to say something. Well, we almost use a, a something in the film. It was this guy, who I won't remember his name, but he used to be very into doing yoga, and then he became a believer. And he was like, "I'm not going to do yoga anymore because I think that the origins of yoga uh, are steeped in in like sun god worship and other worship. I mean, they have like all, they, a lot of the the movements that you're making are some of them are called things like a
4: sun the salutation, sun salute, where oh, you're something. literally bowing, like you're bending over in half and like bowing. Yeah.
3: So his argument, which he didn't sadly carry forth to to Christmas and Easter was if we know these things were incepted and being used for the worship of a different God, then why use it for the worship of the Creator? And so
0: he had, I'll have to remember his name, but... Mm.
3: Anyway, I, I wanted to mention. There's a that. debater behind
0: that one too. Is <laughs> yeah, it is it just plain old stretching, and it's it's okay. what's wrong is what we called it, like bowing to the sun, or when,
3: oh yeah, and know. that is that nowadays is being co-opted by the church. Now you have holy yoga, Christian yoga. yoga. You have Christian yoga. yoga. You're like yeah. we want to do these things, but we we don't want to, to be smacking of any kind of pagan origin.
4: So and be so, worship music what That's I was going to say is when you hear from the people who claim these things, so like, you know, yogi's from India or something like that, they'll be like, this is a religious practice. It's religious. like it's the not witch with exercise. the with the right. mistletoe. Exactly. when you hear from like a witch about what she's doing on Easter or mm-hmm. Yule, they'll tell you it's a religious practice, but then people who it's not even native to their history will say it's not. So it's like, should we listen to the people right. who,
0: well, it's almost like if you talked to that yogi and told him what Christians were doing, would he get offended? Because you're taking his religious practice mm-hmm. and muddying the waters with it and throwing in your religious practice with it and right. he's like, no, 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 that's for my people. That that belongs with us, that's our thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, much like Halloween, right? Although that's our thing, oh no, but we're gonna turn it into Trunk or Treat in a church parking <laughs> lot. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> just, well, Yeah, it makes <laughs> yeah. sense. It seems like, it's the societal, the societal norms
3: that we're fighting for as Christians to keep the ones like we eat bacon, right? I don't, but as a culture, as an American culture, bacon is huge. Everything is wrapped in bacon and, and ditto shellfish and, and shrimp. And these things seem to be hangups similar to Christmas and Easter being hangups because societally they're accepted. No one goes to bat for dog and cat eating. No one goes to bat country, or yeah. bat. You know, right. they they are they're going for pork and it's specifically that. And and because that's what we're doing as a society. And it's the same thing with Christmas and Easter. No one is going to bat for the feast of St. John the Baptist. No one cares because it's not culturally part of our and that is when I think that if we want to be honest with ourselves, we have to step back and and do a, an evaluation of 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 where we're coming from are we being honest are we who are we trying to appease are we trying to appease the the continual continually eroding like values and morality of our modern day society or yeah who has constant morality Anyway, that's Mm.
0: all. No, that's beautiful, I love that. And and in a sense, it's reminded me of something you mentioned earlier, it's Constantine did the same thing. Everybody stop fighting, we're gonna do this and we're just gonna push it all together and call it done. Well, that's what modern, like you said, it's part of our culture now, we're just pushing together and calling it done. (laughs) And not thinking where it came from, what it means, or anything. Ah, that doesn't matter, we're just gonna, we're gonna establish a new thing here, and it's It's, uh, unreal. You tried to talk to some people about this, Oh, and there was, Nobody was available for some weird reason. So I don't know whether this was, whether you view this as Yehovah stepping in or whatever, but tell us what that was all about.
3: Well, in all three, because we're finishing a project now, but all three of these projects that we've worked on deeply, in depth over a long period of months, um, we have seen the hand of Yah, like working and guiding us to the right interviews and away from other interviews. And some of the most widely known um, experts on the other side of the camp who would defend their Christians and their professors, who would defend Christmas and they would defend the day and the, the tree and all this. We reached out to them because we wanted them on camera and we wanted them to give their argument. We wanted to air it all. We wanted to air both sides of the story, which we did, but we wanted to have them. In. S- several of the biggest of the big wigs um, were unable to do the interview for health reasons sadly two of them specifically yeah. one of them didn't want to touch the topic because it was a little too hot but the, the other two were, were that was she what happened so to. sadly those interviews weren't able to happen but we still got great guys who were able to say the same things they just didn't have the name which is on the peer-reviewed papers which mm-hmm. those are the guys we were reaching out to so um, but we still got a lot of those guys, too. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, that and that happens, I think, in a documentary. Or in anything you're doing, it, it shifts. Also, you think you know where the story is going. You think you have all the answers going in. And then as you research, you're like, oh, like the two Babylons. I thought, we're taking this back to Nimrod. We're going to do it. And we're going to do it with first, like,
0: Prime primary
3: sources. sources. Mm-hmm. Thank you, baby. And <laughs> um, we... We'll get back as far as we could, which is still before the mention of Christmas, but uh,
0: not. Well, you know that happens everywhere too. When Hemi Gordon is looking for manuscripts, I mean, he's the first to admit there are no manuscripts from two thousand years ago. That doesn't that, that doesn't work. They're all gone. They've disintegrated. So sometimes you can't go back to the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've just got to deal with what you've got, right? So. Well, I, I think I think Jehovah guided your hand there yeah. so that you wouldn't have those folks, and uh, they never belonged in the documentary in the first place. right? <laughs> I guess not. I guess yeah. you're right. I, <laughs> just keep
3: it together.
0: Now, um now, Katie, you had mentioned something interesting before the cameras came on today. and you'd mentioned that uh, you know, th- there's there's facts about where these things came from. And then there's sort of like this ambiguous, hard to put your finger on spirit of it all that if you are awake, in the spirit, you will see this. So tell me yes. how that went.
4: Absolutely, I think when you look at some of the mythology and things surrounding the trappings of Christmas, the origins of Easter, uh, you can see if you are, I'd say a believer and you have a sort of spiritual vision, how these things are traced through history. You see like, oh I see that being connected to that and that and that and and you can follow the through line, mm. and I guess that's a little bit different sometimes than what Luke's talking about with finding primary sources, where somebody, some historian from way back in the day, is saying, "Yes, we did this for this reason, and we were worshiping this." Um, so there's just that element of like spiritual discernment versus like the histor the history and the scholarship of it, and um, it's nice to bring both to bear, of course. Yeah. And in the Christmas question, it leaned more towards the, the where we could get yeah the, the primary source, yeah, source yeah. material and all of that, but it doesn't mean that the other. Th- threads throughout history are not maybe true as well in some and, cases. Yeah,
3: like the two Babylons. It takes it back to Nimrod and it says, look at this. These two images are very similar and how could they not be the same? How could this how could this modern day worship or or worship in in primary sources we have not be the same as the worship that's written about by Herodotus for example. And and but we don't have we don't have some documents that say this is that this this ancient Osiris worship is exactly what we meant to be doing on this date mm-hmm. because who would write that um, <laughs> yeah. so so yes you have to have some insight and in, and in, in to to make that work and I thought we got to do it without that even though I don't totally disagree with that
0: either yeah, yeah. no I the same thing with when Miles Jones tells us about uh, for example there's this uh, cow ceremony, the sort of this almost like ancient rodeo that where they're jumping on cows and things like that. Well, the same thing is found in Greece, but it's also found on the stones in Saudi Arabia where it's supposed that this is Mount Sinai and this was the altar to the golden calf. Hmm. You know, this imagery is not found in Saudi Arabia, it's found in Egypt. So what is it doing in Saudi Arabia? And what is it doing in Greece? Hmm. And although they're separated by centuries, they look very similar, but someone could argue to the nth degree that they're not the same. Right. But then you have to go, like you said, to the spirit of what is really happening here. And instead of arguing about absolutes that are, quite honestly, man-made. Hmm. You know, one man will, will have a degree behind his name and say, this is that. And everybody goes, oh, well, we've had, we now have the decision. You, you need to look at the spirit of it all. Because I think that, especially you two being a married couple, working in the name of Yehovah to bring out this truth, that he's going to work with you and bring you those things. Mm. And you know, and it's, it might be grand to think of, but it's <laughs> I, I think he does that so that the truth really will come out. and there are things we can't put our finger on. Mm. And those who are, are just not of, of faith at all won't ever see it. Mm-hmm. but those who are will see it exactly what you're talking about. Mm yeah I guess
3: I yeah thank you that's you know what kind I'm saying thing to say and i hope I hope so. I hope he is using and us. the
4: tricky thing about the scholarship is that, as everyone knows, just like when you're looking for a study, you can say someone find someone who says, you know red meat will kill you and someone who says it'll save the world, and it's the same with some of this history too, not to the, the same degree, but you can find competing
3: definitely opinions and that's if the whole, you look for them. Yeah. no one thinks about okay, so your Christian friend comes to you and says, look, I found this article by this professor that says the the origins of Christmas were Christian before they were pagan. Uh And if you look into the personal life of most professors who say this sort of thing, this is what I found in doing research, um, there's often a religious bias of they are Christians or they're affiliated with the church in some manner. Does it not behoove them to try to find something in in, in the research. And this is what other professors told me. When we were in Germany, that one professor, what was his name, Hal, I think. I can't remember exactly, I'm sorry. (laughs) He's watching this, but he said, there's always bias behind the studies, and why wouldn't there be? You wouldn't spend years of your life doing a deep research into the date of Christmas without some kind of idea of what's going, what you're going to arrive at. And hopefully everyone is being totally honest with themselves. Hopefully we are when we're doing the documentary, sure. and hopefully they are when they're doing their research so that the truth will be known. I mean, that's what we're trying to get
0: at here. And yeah, it's not always happened. Right, I think that's just, we've hit the nail on the head here in our last minute, and that is, we're we're fighting really here against what is of God and what is of man, really. Even behind the the reasons for it are those who write the research papers and say, yes, this is this. Is it man-made or is it of God, right? I mean, that's really what this all is about. So guys, thank you, we're not done yet. Will you come back next week and share more?
4: Absolutely. Okay, so we
0: have another whole project, your latest project we haven't <laughs> even touched on yet. We'll do that next week, okay? That's all right. Up. All right, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Luke and Katie and their kids will join us next week. We'll hope you will too. Until then, Shabu Atov, have a great week.